So we'll come back. Uh, we still have another session in the afternoon, uh, but this is uh, we're going to sort of summarize so, uh, this afternoon. So this is the session that I promised we're going to uh, look into more into death and dying. And um, this is a, a very big topic in a way that uh, it is, you can say it is our most important event, one of the most important events of our life. And uh, I would like to uh, uh, invite you to uh, ex- investigate and contemplate. What are your thoughts about your own death? Especially those who are younger, or the belt of old age sickness and death, still there but haven't rung yet. And how do you feel about your own death and dying? So I'd invite you to ask yourself uh, honestly and with an open heart and listen to yourself. What do you say to yourself? You don't need to tell anyone. If you do not want, wish to, you don't even need to share with anybody. I'm getting a cup of coffee, so... <laughs> I don't know why the monastic have fixation on the condensed milk. <laughs> and I got Vietnamese coffee. So there you go. Thank you. I still got your cup in my But I still got your cup in my it's being spot. We just talked about sensual pleasure yesterday. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks my sensual pleasure. <laughs> so there you go. Um, now back to uh, death and dying. Um, I w- also would like to encourage all of us to um, have this uh, look into death and dying with an element of curiosity and uh, an interest. You know, it's like, what is death and dying? What can happen to me? When I'm dying, and what happens after death? And what can I learn about it, and how can I prepare for it? That's why all of us are here. So how can I surrender to the process of dying? and be at peace with it. So we have some questions yesterday about that. So there's something that we can't uh, investigate. And with the investigations and questioning, there's a big... We can open up to a a big uh, transformation to us about ourselves, about life. And um, that can lead us uh, to uh, freedom and liberation. As I read out the 
um, such as uh, the poem by Venerable Bhikkhuni, Ambapali, that she used that uh, uh, old age and sickness and uh, to transform. And she attained liberation and freedom, peace. That's what we want. All of us want. I'm going to share with you a few stories. That's my favorite part. Um, because it's difficult to say too, too much, except stories you probably remember. Um, a few stories uh, I would like to share with you. One of them is, um, we're talking about uh, uh, death and dying. We're talking about not just to the 70-year-old or those of us that's over 50. <laughs> Uh, it's applied to all ages. Uh, to share that, my first experience, I was um, in a, um, a prefectural board, and on a sport day, we just won the marching competition. When I was 17, 16, I have a f- another, we are another prefect, which is standing behind me. Uh, so she is a year my junior, and we was in charge of uh, uh, for the sport day an area. Actually, we I had a, a disagreement with her that afternoon. Anyhow, we won the competition. We were very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, she went out uh, on a bike uh, with her friends, and she being run over by a big trucks, literally run over. Um. Of course, uh, all of us was uh, really um, affected by it. There's no counseling. I'm talking about 40 years ago, close to 40 years ago. Um, so, and in a small place, so all of us went for a funeral. And uh, I don't know what we did uh, in the church. I remember we either sing the, and then all of us... Uh, being invited her to walk past her coffin. Um, of course, you have a law. You're just curious. And I still remember how she looked like today. So this, um, all of you have some sort of uh, um, encounters in the, those ways. And she's only 16. The other point I'm trying to make is um, because we have a, a bit of a disagreement at the time, so I rem- it just sort of make an imprint in my mind much more because I can never go to uh, say or sort out our disagreement anymore. It just happened the day after. Um, I don't know her really that well, even though she's my junior. Uh, we are in the marching uh, uh, group together and... Uh, of course, we are in the, have regular meetings because in the, in a prefectural board, we probably have 40 of us in a school of uh, close to a thousand people. So we do have regular meetings. So I know, don't know her really that well, especially because she's a junior. She's only 16. And I probably 17 at the time. I can't remember exactly. So just trying to share with you, I knew some of you are under 30s. So that goes, they do not apply, they apply to all of us. And we do never know when it's going to happen. 
the bell of old age, sickness, and death that I rang yesterday. And I can tell you that on my chanting list, uh, ever have someone ranges from five, nine, ten, to of course, say, uh, in the older uh, range. So, t- with that in mind, I do not want to make you feel increased anxiety. So after all the, the weekend, uh, you will uh, start to look into OH sickness and death, hopefully in a more economous way, a little bit stand a bit away, but yet you do make an attempt to look at it. More story. Um, I was uh, telling people yesterday about the death cafe. Um, someone actually came to uh, told me about it, and she met a young man there. So not everyone, not the older person, to attend the death cafe. And this young man is—he's not sick. Uh, he's not dying. However, he need to deal with his father's probate, which because his father just passed away. And then he needs to deal with his mother, who is sick. I'm not sure if she's in nursing home or not, but he needs to deal with her affair as well. And then the sister, also sick. So he's in charge of organizing care, looking after all their uh, finances, and dealing with probate, uh, probate. So that is a lot to deal with. He got to quit his job to be a full-time uh, so-called administrator and organizer. So that those of you that who are young, in, in a sense that are uh, not uh, facing old age sickness and death as yet, you can, you are in a very good position or uh, the fact that you come here and willing to look at old age sickness and death your sensitivity and your um, understanding will be able to help all the people around you, your friends or your own relatives or your parents. So that's wonderful that uh, you can be here. And I was told that if those that who are interested in Death Cafe, you can Google it. I tried to Google I couldn't see any one that, that is uh, permanently there. I think they have lectures or gather together a specific time, but we'll find out more once I get back because I've just been told about the death cafe just a few days before I come to the retreat. And um, I, uh, I think I mentioned that again uh, uh, before, but I'm going to read that out again about uh, the reflections that uh, monastics do. The days and nights are relentlessly passing how well am I spending my time? This mindfulness of death uh, reminds us what is important in our life. I have, uh, we have uh, talked about it a bit earlier. You know, um, we say, it doesn't matter what is important. Uh, like uh, my uh, cousins who uh, regretted that he didn't spend more time to visit my grandma. And uh, he can't do that anymore. 
So something like that. It is even the fact that you say, okay, it's important. From now on, I would like to spend more time with my family. I will make an appointment to call my mom once a week. Something like that. If that is what is important to you. And um, most of the time, I heard a lot of people say, yep, I wait till I retire. Then I start, I'll learn meditation. My mom used to say this to me. And I wait she, she's 84 now. Uh, she did attend one of my meditation day before, but I don't think she do it regularly. So, or wait till I retire, I will attend the retreats. All of you are here, all ages. So well done. Rather than wait till retirement, next holiday, do, the, do it now, whatever you think that is important. That's why actually reflections and uh, contemplation on death and dying is important because it informs us what is important in our life. Then we can live our life if we think that, okay, I'm actually not going to the direction that I would like to go. Then you can slow a little bit, age yourself back to where you like to go. I was really impressed. I met someone that she's under 40. Um, she, um, she got holiday. She's not from Perth, of course. And then um, she has uh, holidays and of money. She determined that uh, she'll spend time once a year. She'll take her mum out uh, uh, for a holiday, wherever her mum wanted to go. And the other two holidays... Uh, retreats. She, got a, she flew in here for the retreats, a nine days retreat, and they have another retreat overseas as well. So she booked both uh, her husband and her, she, they booked into the two retreats. That's all they do. Other, ta- other times, of course, she's active in uh, Buddhist uh, activities as well as uh, working. So she's working full time. So that she determined early on, say, that it's important to her. Spend time with her mom, and then time for her own journey, her spiritual journey. And she had no intention to become a nun, because she married, and uh, she's happy that for the arrangement, she got the opportunity to practice. I'm going to... Um, that's why I uh, try to impress upon you, just like what we say, the reflection just now. Um, the days and nights are relentlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? Because um, otherwise we throw away our time. Whether it is you are really sick now, you might have uh, six months or a year, or you think, or those of us who are still well enough, we think we have, I don't know, infinite time, but we never know. I was um, uh, in, uh, when I was really young, uh, I was involved in an accident. Um, I still remember that uh, my father was driving the car, and uh, he drove the car across the road. I could see a motorbike. I was probably eight or nine. I could see a motorbike coming this way on my side. Whole family are in the car. My mom, my brother and sister and me. But I could see it coming this side. 
come to so close that I knew that we would not be able to make it across the road. All I could do, I still remember, instinctively I covered my head and I just sort of squat down, sort of bend down because I had the back of the car. I was really, we was really lucky at that time because uh, there's no major injury. Even the motorbike uh, driver, he only sustained a minor injuries. I was uh, reflecting on that because I don't know anything about Buddhism. Uh, of course, don't know anything about oh, age sickness and death, nothing. All uh, in my mind I remember is the, just holding my head and bend down to uh, protect myself, of course. So, um, I was reflecting about that. I said, probably now I will have, all of us here will have a little bit more uh, tools or practice. Even the fact that just uh, letting go at a minute or going through your uh, meditation in silence or, or quietness. I can't even uh, chant a word saying that it is so or something, you know, because my family, they're atheists, so we <laughs> don't know anything about any religion at all. So I was brought up uh, not to have a religion. So that, that's why it's important that we start to uh, 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 pra- we practice now. Not all of you already started. The fact that you are here. Um, so that's uh, um, something that we can look at. So only, however, when people was asking me about meditation, uh, what they need to do uh, uh, at the time, uh, end of life, but start now. Um, keep going. Um, because with regular training and practice again and again, then we can put our awareness on the meditation objects or to this present moment awareness. You, it's hard, like the incidents I have uh, with the accident. I don't put my, I can't even remember. I don't think I remember anything. All I could do is, oh dear, I, I, I'm not sure, I swear, not to say, oh dear, we can't make it. Oh, well, that's all. Um, rather than uh, uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to stay calm, uh, about eight or nine years old, I suppose it's hard, but I could remember exactly what happened. The fact that I remember, I vividly put my hands over. I remember, I still could remember seeing the motorbike coming my, my way. Because it's a traumatic experience uh, that you're going to hit by a car, uh, uh, in an accident. I didn't think that I might not die. The, the motorbike, the rider might be in big trouble. But I just thought that we are in trouble. Also, I'm going to share with uh, you another uh, one of the, my own personal experience. Um, so I was being investigated for some health issue at uh, Royal Perth Hospital. I was there uh, lying down, uh, waiting for biopsy. Um, I think I said that earlier. You know, I, I was already a nun. I could not remember chanting. I tried to chant 
even Metta Sutta, halfway, just say, what is it? I was waiting. There's nothing I can do. When you are in a hospital, there's nothing you can do, especially for myself. Um, when I was with uh, someone else, like my grandma or uh, anyone else, I could chant for them or uh, um, repeat some words you know, to remind them. But for myself, I could not. I still remember I could not remember the chant. It probably happened less than 10 years ago. So I have been practicing loving-kindness meditation that I mentioned to, uh, uh, when I answered the questions yesterday. I have been uh, using metta meditation as my main objects of uh, meditation at the time especially. So I decided that forget about any of this chanting that I cannot remember, the full chant. So I just uh, went into the meditation. And it, because I have been doing it again and again, regularly, that's effortless. I don't even remember, you know, worried about when is this radiographer going to come. You know, I was lying on the table, um, that I can't go to the toilet or can't have a drink or anything. I'm just lying there. They just asked me to stay there. They went out to do whatever they need to do. Uh, I can't remember how long they waited for. Uh, of course I feel anxious. Of course I about the results. Because being asked to do a biopsy, I'm one step closer to the bell, or the bell already rung uh, for sickness. Um, so I find that it's really helpful to be able to uh, just go, just start up the meditation and sending loving kindness to myself and also to all those people that's helping me. Like I uh, no longer fixated on the fear and anxiety. And someone was asking about fixating on death and, uh, and anxiety about death. But because there is a distraction about, uh, with the meditation. I've forgotten about um, waiting for anyone else because there's nothing I can do at that time. So that experience actually very helpful for me to see that uh, the practice do help and it plays a very important part in our life, facing whatever challenges but you need to do it again and again by coming to the retreat. But when you go home, we're going to talk about it later on, continue and come for the next retreat again. That uh, reinforces your mind so that your mind can keep on leaning and inclining towards matter, peace, quietness, calm and freedom. Rather than... Um, Focus on what is happening that you can't do anything about. And I'm going to give you another story <laughs> about present moment awareness that uh, someone was asking me about, you know, what is the uh, difference between present moment awareness and running away from uh, uh, whatever is hap- unpleasant that's happening right now. 
Well, in my case, at that time, by lying on the table waiting for the biopsy to, to be done, yes, I'm using matter in a way to run away from fear and anxiety and worried uh, of what is going to happen later on. But you're replacing it with something pleasant or something wholesome matter. There's nothing I can do except I might as well sending myself uh, matter and all those people, the radiographer, the doctors, the nurses, who's going to help me uh, with loving kindness. And um, you not just that, to all the beings in the hospital who are in the same boat as me, especially some of them, that waiting for the results or in fear and uh, anxiety and worry. So that is uh, one way you can say it's a distraction, but I'm aware of it because I don't want to dwell. There's nothing you can do dwelling in fear. You might as well dwell in loving kindness, something wholesome. Um, but I want to talk a bit about um, present moment awareness. It is very important to, to be like, I'm aware that uh, I am. We have fear or anxiety about that situation that I'm in. And uh, we talk about it is okay, it's normal to feel anxiety and worried about the results. Like, remember I told you about my mom having a CT scan. So it is okay to be frightened about it. But with awareness, we know that uh, we are, what, how we are feeling. And we have tools that we can use to help us uh, for the challenge that we are facing. I want to go in a bit of, uh, again, about the present moment awareness uh, with, a, with a sharing with you a story. When my grandma was passing away uh, in palliative care in the hospital, excuse me, those of you who've been to, in the hospital before, you know that um, sometimes when you're in palliative care, even though we're being told that you know, we don't know how long, three days, two days, or a week. My grandma was 98. So we, all of us, uh, me and my mom and my uncle, we were sitting in her hospital room. And it is great to have the practice and the way of the present moment awareness because there's nothing happening in the room. It's only grandma lying in her bed and breathing. I can see her breathing in and out. That's all that's happening. And um, I could see that, you know, uh, just like meditation, that's why it's so important. It's just like you're in meditation. You know, you just breathe in and out. It is boring the breath, like I'm watching my grandma. And then the mind runs away. Um, okay. Uh, for me, uh, I probably think, I can't remember what I'm thinking about. Just go somewhere else, thinking about probably funeral, who should I inform, all those things. And then I realized that I was being pulled away. So I would like to offer whatever um, 
as a gift to my grandma to be there fully present for her, offering a piece of my uh, love, peace to her. But when you're running away, not in present, you can't. So I got to bring myself back and remind myself that this is the most important person right now, grandma, even though she seems I'm not able to communicate. But I can tell you that I've got other relatives there. You can hear them talking about food, sports, uh, movies, or travels, while grandma is taking her whatever last few days of breath. Even though they're, they're all this, we, all, we were all there sitting. Um, that's why the practice of mindfulness uh, awareness is so important. When you say running away, you can see that all, the, all few of us have uh, different reactions when we are uh, in the room with my grandma. You can say that the other people are running away. They're using distraction because it's unpleasant to look to be with someone who are dying, taking their last breath. And there's no communication, so they get distracted into that conversation. Yes, uh, I was so grateful being a nun for a while. I um, can't remember how, I say 12 years, uh, because uh, uh, or in the monastery for 12 years by then, um, because I can remember, I can pull myself back. I must say I have a very good teacher. I've been going back and have a discussion with my teacher, you know, what should I do? And uh, I did ask her actually, you know, grandma's lying there, I can't, you know, chanting, I can't continuously chant. Uh, I find that uh, when I chant Namotasa, just simple things, she calmed down, even before she went into the coma, death coma, that you call it. Um, but I can't do that all the time. Her advice to me at the time is, you don't need to do that, anything, just sit there. Offer a piece of your goodness, a piece of your love, a piece of your um, um, peace. So that's what I was doing when I was sitting with uh, um, Grandma. So present awareness, I need to be have enough courage to stay, stay with unpleasantness, unpleasantness of uh, someone dying. Uh, I'm my grandma's favorite granddaughter, and I have a very good relationship with her. It is hard to see someone dying in front of my eyes, especially then. So it is very unpleasant. Yet I have uh, able to stay the mind and the heart rather than running away. But I could see that I do run away, but then bring it back. So with our investigation and uh, contemplation in uh, uh, OH sickness and death, we know the fear, anxiety and worries are there. But we are building up our um, heart or container to be able to stay with that anxiety, stay with the fear and, uh, and have a, a bit of a, a clarity and quietness and peace to be able to 
be with our loved ones and with our remember that with our suffering and pain. Remember that I was telling you the story about me looking away when I saw someone walking past me that who has a on a drip and very sick. Until we were able to stay with the pain and suffering of whatever in front of us, we can't use that for ourselves. We can stay with our suffering and pain and knowing that that is uh, what the Buddha is teaching as well. You know, one of the noble truths. Suffering. You can't run away. None of us can run away from suffering. But what do we do about it? That's our practice. More, more story? Um, one of the... There's another story. This is uh, about my grandma. When we was in the hospital, the doctor, the specialist declared that, okay, uh, grandma now is in uh, palliative care, so uh, decide she's 98. She was 98 then. So... Okay, they uh, take away some of the tubes and uh, let everything go naturally. One of uh, my relatives came in. She marched into the room and said, she took grandma's hand and checked her pulse. She said, grandma got very strong pulse. What's wrong with it? She's no problems. She's not dying. That literally happened in front of my eyes. And um, we can say that, yeah. And the rest of us are looking at what is happening and just can't say anything. And that is a reaction from some, some of us. Who, that's what we're going to react. The denial of, uh, no, it is not happening. That's um, my relative, is my, uh, the mother, uh, is the daughter of my grandma. So, of course, they don't want to lose their mom, mom even though my grandma is 98. We've um, familiar ourselves uh, with uh, the fact that uh, old age sickness and death can happen to us, to our loved ones, to the people around us. We will um, learn or train and practice to be able to accept what is happening in front of us. Things that we can't change. I would love my grandma to be here. She's probably in her 108. Or, and I say, I would love our environment to be here, but it is uncomfortable for people that who have, they're unwell. They, um, you can say there's a suffering. Um, so that is our selfish wish. Uh, like in this case, that uh, the family members that came in to say, no, there's nothing wrong. Why the Buddha on palliative care? Um, so I would like to invite you to really ask yourself, consider these questions. Okay, when are you going to die? At what age you're going to die? And how are you going to die? And what you do not want to die? How you do not want to die? And what is your fear?
Um, it's good time to uh, investigate in this, as I say, a safe uh, environment. After meditation, your mind is uh, uh, a, bit, uh, a, pe- a bit peaceful and quiet and surrounded by practitioners that uh, have good view towards each other. So it's good to uh, sort of uh, reflect a little bit on it. Another one that I find is uh, really helpful is um, to be able to reflect on your death and then you explore, think back, okay, I'm going to die uh, in the future when the bell rings. How I want people to remember me? That's the same question as what is important to you. And then you think back, okay, how do I live my life? Before I get there, at a, uh, you can imagine that at the funeral service, what do you want people to stand up to talk about you? Not just uh, when you're dying, what do you, how do you want to be at peace with uh, your situation, accepting uh, to be able to let go and go with the process, but also how you want to be remembered. Do I, okay, I've got more, more, more stories um, before. Do I have time? Would you like a cup of coffee? <laughs> no, I'm going to drink like this. I'll uh, do it later. Um, thank you so much. Um, so there's uh, another story before uh, I go into. Um, when I was, uh, I told you that we have been, you know, organized, um, quite a number of um, uh, organizations because of our environment wasn't well, was very sick. So people got to think about plan B, just in case I am the one that who have the bell ring, that I am sick. So we talk about various scenarios, how to do, how to organize things. And um, I told you about uh, that uh, we look into uh, her, cremate, her funeral service, I must say she wrote her uh, eulogy, something that you can do that as an exercise for yourself. I'm yet to do it, so I don't insist that all of you do it. Mm-hmm. But, but she wrote her own eulogy. She didn't finish it. I got to finish a eulogy for her funeral. She organized, uh, she wrote down her, the order of service for her funeral, the chanting she wanted to do and all those things who to conduct a funeral. And because she's very kind, she don't want it to be a burden for me. Or when things happen, a lot of things happen at the same time. You know, you got to call the funeral director, you got the nurse waiting for you to sign the paper because she just passed away. And you got to think about who should I inform. Um, she already given me a list uh, that her family members should be informed. But you know, uh, committee members, and Jim Brown, or uh, our preceptors in America, our Tata Loka, so, and her brother, who should I inform first? So there's so many things that you could think about. That's why uh, the Death Cafe is something that is um, helpful to be able to really talk about it, have a conversation about it. 
And um, so in, I say, about seven years, even before her death, we already look at her coffin. She already picked her coffin and uh, talk about where's her funeral because I don't want any uh, last minute, everyone trying to tell me that, so do this way, that way. So she don't want me to do that. I really consider having a funeral at the property. And uh, she said, no, too much work for you, for me. She said, go to a parlor, then you don't need to think about it. It's very kind. So we have all those considerations. As I said, we investigated uh, either natural barrier or cremation because she's trying to leave a minimum carbon footprint behind. And we uh, to, uh, check at that time, it's not very popular, uh, a natural barrier. And one of our supporters said, Arjun, please don't have uh, a natural barrier. Please have cremation so that uh, we will have her ashes. So we talk about how to deal with the ashes. So those things that uh, uh, you, can talk, you can think about and talk about with your loved ones, even as an exercise. I must say, when I was talking to Ayavayama, she turned around and asked me, how would you like to be, uh, uh, how your body would you like to be treated if I'm the one who passed away? I was like, I, uh, uh, we're talking about you. <laughs> uh, I, there's 10, so I was in my 40s. I was relatively well at the time. So when she asked me, I said, um, uh, cremation? And then she asked me, who would you like to conduct your funeral? Of course, I would like a nun to do that. I said, uh, I have but she's in America. <laughs> so I was going through the name when she was asking me. I could very surprised with my own hesitation. You know, and even though I was surprised with my own hesitation, but I just said, you know, I'm talking about you. She turned around to ask me. It's a great way to teach me about you can be the one before her. We always talk about anyone, other people's death, but not us, it's not me. It can be anyone else. So I find it is a, um, a very, a moment of truth for me. You know, I can read the books and as I told you, I'm very interested in the uh, um, subject. Uh, we can read the books, do everything else, but not me. It's always other people. So that's for you to reflect on. That uh, I must say, I um, offer a few things uh, for you to consider because um, writing a eulogy is something that you can do. Do it as an exercise or write in a book. I think it's a very traditional. Sri Lankan uh, um, way is write down all the good things that you have done. I, I have a book called, uh, she, she called Married Book, so things that she have done, write down the names that people that she helped. I read to her when she was in her dying process. So I took the book out, she told me where is it. I thought she wrote down a lot of names that I never come across because she used to be a social worker. So she wrote down the name that's significant, that she had uh, made a big impact on their life. So I was uh, reading to her. So something that you can do as an exercise for, to remind ourselves we are not... Um, remember the chanting that we did? 
that we say, I'm of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond aging. So that is the exercise we can do to bring it closer, the reality of all age sickness and death. And what I did um, with fire, um, I want to use it as my own um, practice and reflection. I asked her before she passed away, I said, can I wash your body after you pass away? As a way to, uh, uh, as an offering, uh, a gift to her, because I watched a documentary before in certain culture, I think in Hindu, they are religious person went to clean their body, not all the family, not uh, the mortician. So I asked, so she said yes. So what I did is uh, after she passed away, before her body being taken to, uh, to the mortuary, I cleaned her body and dressed. I couldn't dress her at the time yet. So uh, before they took her body away, so we kept her body for 12 hours or something because it's a weekend. And then I uh, went back with her very good friend to uh, prepare her body for the funeral service. So I clean her and dress her with the rope. Um, I must say, yes, it is very confronting. But I did it, of course, as a gift to her, to honor her. At the same time, for myself. It is uh, confronting for me to have a, a dead body in front of me that I need to clean and it's not responsive. They have been in the mortuary. Uh, I don't think they're in the freezer, they're just in the fridge. So of course the body is hard. So, and then um, when one, and the most confronting thing that happened to me is after her cremation, I went back to the cemetery. They handed me a container. Um, that moment, uh, remind me, say, the body is this big. I only have a contain, a plastic container. They open it up, say, yep, this is the name, by Amadei. I say, yes. Uh, but I, I was a bit speechless. I must say my heart sort of like squeezed a little bit when I was holding the container of ashes. That, uh, it's good for me to practice, for my practice, because it's confronting, it's the reality of our life, rather than imagining it, thinking about it. But I purposely want to do certain things so that for my own reflections, I have great opportunity to be able to do that. So you might not want to go to the extent for whatever you do, but there are things, the practice that we can do that, uh, so that we can hopefully, whatever I have done, when my turn, I will be more accepting. I will be able to let go and go with the process rather than uh, running away from it. So that's uh, for my own practice. So I share that with you and uh, you can consider uh, picking whatever way that you would like uh, for your practice. Okay, I'm running out of time, but I'm still going to read out a sutta. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite. I always read it out. This is beyond the scope of this weekend retreat. There's lots of sutta. Uh, the 
Buddha's teachings uh, talking about age sickness and death. I only can, I taught about, I say, in this situation, I'll pick one sutta, one teaching from the Buddha that I can share, that it is a very, uh, to me, it is important and it touches my heart. And uh, then you can explore more. Or you can ask Venerable Medici to do a death and dying workshop or something. Then they can do more sutras, more to explore and investigate more. So this is uh, my, this is a very famous and uh, uh, my favorite sutra. It is from uh, Samyutta Nikaya, um, the long discourses of the Buddha. Uh, number 25, called the simile of the mountain. I'm going to read it out, and I'm going to make a point about something. So this is the sutta. At Savati, then in the middle of the day, King Pasanadi of Kusala approached the Blessed One. The Blessed One said to him, and as he was sitting to one side, now, where are you coming from, great king, in the middle of the day? Just now, venerable sir, I have been engaged in those affairs of kingship, typical for hate-anointed Cartier kings who are intoxicated with the intoxication of sovereignty, sovereignty who are obsessed by greed for sensual pleasure, who have attained stable control in their country, and who rule having conquered a great sphere of territory on earth. So you can imagine the, any a minister's meeting, let's say in Australia, you know, uh, or in anywhere else, like uh, just for the country, all the affairs. But he say, intoxication. That means it's not enough. They want to conquer more, uh, more war, so that they have uh, the uh, bigger land or something. What do you think? This is the uh, Buddha saying. What do you think, great king? Here a man would come to you from the east, one who is trustworthy and reliable. Having approached, he would tell you, for sure, great king, you should know this. I'm coming from the east. And there I saw a great mountain, high as clouds, coming this way, crushing all living beings. Do whatever you think should be done, great king. And then a second man would come to you from the west, and the third man from the north. And then a fourth man will come from the south. If great king, such a great peril should arise, such a terrible destruction of human life, the human state being so difficult to obtain, what should be done? It's a great disaster happened. The Buddha is asking the king, what should be done? This is the reply by the king. If venerable sir, such a great peril should such a terrible destruction of human life, the human state being so difficult to obtain, 
what else should be done but to live by the Dharma, to live righteously and to do wholesome and meritorious deeds. That's a reply from the king. There's nothing can be done in those situations. You just continue to live. Practice the Dharma. Be a good person, kind. And we talk about the generosity and uh, helping each other. In front, I inform you, great king. I announce you, great king. Aging and death are rolling in on you, great king. What should be done? The king replied, As aging and death are rolling in on me, venerable sir, what else should be done but to live by the Dharma? Dharma is a teaching of the Buddha. To live righteously and to do wholesome and meritorious deeds. They are, venerable sir, Elephant betters hate anointed Cartier kings who are intoxicated and with the intoxication of sovereignty, who are obsessed by greed for sensual pleasure, who have uh, attained stable control in their country, and who rule having conquered a great sphere of territory on earth. But there's no place or those the so elephants' battles, no scope for them when aging and death are rolling in. So the Buddha is saying, whatever, how powerful you are, how many nuclear power do you have? All this uh, hate of state uh, who is involving in war, they still have aging and death rolling on them. As aging and death are rolling in on me, Venerable Sir, what else should be done but to live by the Dharma, the teaching of the Buddha, to live righteously, to do wholesome and meritorious deeds? So it is, great king, so it is, great king, as aging and death are rolling in on you, what else should be done but to live by the Dharma, to live righteously, and to do wholesome and meritorious deeds. This is what the Buddha said. I want to, um, I think I have a photocopy of, um, I hope I did have it here. I think I have a Ajahn Sujato's translation for righteous, um, or might not be here, for righteousness. Just be, be a good person. I can't remember what is a translation that uh, he put down. I don't have it here. It might be somewhere else. But um, basically, someone that you keep the precepts, not killing, not tell, just the basic five precepts. Be a good person. And do things, uh, I mentioned all those things that you can do. That we may talk about uh, meritorious deeds. Um, uh, something that it is uh, uh, wholesome, you know, helping out each other. Offer even a smile, a kindness. Uh, sometimes it do not cost anything uh, to be kind and to smile at each other. 
So that is all you can do. So for those people that who asked me questions yesterday, um, especially about the fixation on and the anxiety of death, there's nothing you can do. But whatever time you have, investigate what is important and put in all your effort. And of course, the important things you can't, can't be anything as simple as uh, going to Dhammaloka every Friday. I make this determination. I want to continue to have the contact with the Dharma. Sometimes it's hard on your own. I was speaking to uh, my dentist, actually. Um, she was asking me, you know, uh, what she can do um, to, you know, work with uh, certain aspects of her life. I said, keep Sometimes she knew what is what need to be done, but just can you being lost so because of all the stress and the work that uh, uh, life. But I say go to a place, uh, start to go to uh, uh, retreats like what you, all of you have done, and every Friday make a commitment to go to listen to a talk, and uh, to go for meditation sessions, and that's the connections. That can remind you again and again. And when you've got time, uh, put in more effort uh, to go to a retreat to recharge your batteries. And a time like this, and you, as I mentioned, that you trying to say, hmm, I have been going to Christmas parties and Christmas um, um, uh, shoppings and uh, holiday plan and everything. I have been lost in that. That's why you're here. Say, yeah, I should, you know, go to a retreat with like-minded people. Is it important to go to too many Christmas parties? No, but you need to go, and it's nice to go to make connection with your family. And then when you go, you bring a piece of your kindness, your calmness, your non uh, not so cr- your craving for sensual pleasures are reduced. You, know, you don't need to make sure that you buy the biggest gifts or you're nervous about your gifts are not um, being appreciated. All those things, you do your best. So now, I will be running out of time. So I, uh, we're going to do a guided meditation on uh, death. Um, so I would like to need to have the time. I, we only have about half an hour, but it doesn't matter. We can run over time. Um, so if you want it, you would like to, you can go to use the bathroom. And those who would like to get ready, um, as I say, I invite those that who would like to, you can lie down. And those who are lying down with your uh, head towards the uh, wall, the feet in the middle, not facing the Buddha or the teacher here, so facing this way, and uh, those who will like you. And those who are not comfortable lying down, you're welcome to a seat in your uh, seats. Perfect. Uh, the directions of, uh, I don't know, don't know your name, that is perfect. So that's uh, so you can have your feet all in the middle. Yes, uh, you can go to the toilet.
So we will be a little bit later than um, 10 o'clock. You're looking at about uh, 40 minutes. If you want to lie down and think that you might not be able to get up, you can't lie down there. Put your hand up. We will come to rescue you. <laughs> I will, I promise. I will personally come to rescue you. So try to put your feet in the middle, the head towards the wall, so everyone will point to one direction. You can come up here if you don't find any spots at the back. You're welcome to come up here. There's another spot there. You can come up here. Just see whether you can stay in present moment. So as I mentioned, I'm going to lead a guided meditation on death. You can come in. If you wanted to, you can go into that uh, side uh, uh, walking meditation hall. And then you can just uh, open the door and uh, stay there. Or any of the hall. Even just outside. No one will come in. Um, I actually call this a death practice. Of course, I explore quite a number of different uh, meditation on death. So this is one of the ones that uh, I find is really helpful. I change it a little bit uh, to um, fit into what I know. You want to come to this way? There you go, you can stay there, yeah. And you want to come to the front here if you just in front of Venerable. Or you can go into the side room. That's fine. I mentioned that you know we have lots of practice sessions in life. Before you give birth, uh, some some especially female, we have uh, we practice how to uh, about the breathing uh, for giving birth, and we practice for any performances for months in order to have so called the perfect practice. Even those of uh, those of you that who uh, play sports, you practice and perfect your skill before that day. But we seldom practice, uh, well, we don't practice for the most important event of our life, death. So today, we are going to give it a go. Um, I can say that we are, uh, have a play. So those of you who are already lying down, Uh, put your awareness on this uh, present moment. None of us really know when and how our uh, last day will end. We don't know whether it's a quick one, how we die, or slow. And uh, definitely we do not know whether we have the opportunity to do what we are doing now, lying down in a familiar and a safe place. So now um, for this uh, practice, 
I, uh, we assume that our end of life is fast approaching. And we are lying in a, a familiar bed, in a familiar place, and then we know the end is coming. So imagine you are lying on your deathbed. So as you lie down on your bed, feel the body, feel the weight of the body upon the floor, the cushion that you're sitting on, or the chair. Knowing that you have maybe 30 minutes or 40 minutes. That is all that is left to us. Lying here, feeling the body. Feeling the breath. Your eyes are closed and you cannot speak. You cannot move any part of the body. There's nothing you can do. The only thing is to guide and steer the heart towards letting go. All the things that we feel unfinished the letters that uh, you haven't finished writing, the bill that you haven't paid, or your, pa- your bags that unpack. It is now too late to finish them. All the things we would like to have done They are not going to get done. The phone calls you want to make to speak to your loved ones, the Christmas present that you want to buy them, They are not going to get done. All the things that we are pleased about, are glad about, The memory is slipping away from us.
if we just have 30 minutes left in our life, what do we want to attend to? What is important to us? What is there to hang on to? Bring the attention to the rhythm of the breathing and the feeling of the body. and sees what arises. See what the mind trying to grasp, to hold on to. Try to lead the heart and to steer the heart towards letting go, towards relinquishment. If you find yourself getting sleepy and drifting off, remember this is the last half an hour or 25 minutes that we have to play with. This is all the time that we have. How do we want to use the time. Is there someone we have to forgive for the wrong they have done to us? Any resentments, disappointments, now is the time to let go of them. Can we see those? Can we remember those? All hurts, broken hearts, broken promises. Can we let them go? Can we forgive them?
the wrongs that we have done, the mistake that we have made. Can we forgive ourselves? Can we see ourselves just another human being, make foolish mistakes and choices from a place of unenlightenment, from a place of confusion, as humans do? And we allow ourselves to be imperfect, to forgive and let go. The time is slipping away. We keep slipping into dullness. We can hear our own breath and feel our own body. If this is really the last few minutes of our life, Don't we really want to pay full attention? The mind drifts and moves. Feel that. Notice that. Keep coming back to the present moment. Keep coming back to this body. Collect the good things that we have done. The beauty we brought into this world. Let the heart be gladdened by it, to rejoice in it. Not to be afraid of feeling good about the blessings that we brought into this world. Not to be afraid of the heart going to move towards pride, happiness, but just simply recognize it. Yes, this is the good work that I did. Yes, that was beautiful. To let the heart be brightened, be gladdened by the good that have been done. 
but to let it go as well. To know it, to feel it, to be brightened by it, and then let it go. Maybe the mind moves towards worrying about your partners, your children, your grandchildren, or your parents and your loved ones. How they will be when you are gone. How they manage. How they can cope. Whether you're worried or you don't worry about them, the Buddha say we're going to die anyway. So you have no choice. Worrying is just a burden on the heart. It is time to let go. Nothing more you can do. You can know that you care about your families, your loved ones. We can recognize we care, but nothing more you can do right now but to let it go. Put it down. If you really love someone, you truly care for them, then we let them go. We do not try to make ourselves something for them or make them something for us. We open our heart to the time that we spend together, recognizing the relationship that we had. How we help each other how our lives bless each other. As a child, parent, brother, sister, partner together. Now it is time to let go. Nothing more to be said. Nothing more can be done.
so we let go. It is light. We are holding the bird in our hand, and we open our hand and let the bird fly into the open, bright blue sky. Let it be free. Let our loved one be free, and let us be free. Maybe, maybe we worried about life after death. Where would I go? We will go anywhere. Were all the teachings and the stories are they true? What if they are not? See the mind moving into worry, anxiety, and projection. We don't know, but open the heart to the presently arisen state. Be fully present to what is now. Have the courage to be here, staying with this moment, staying with each breath. As life ebbs away, how much longer? Ten or twenty minutes. What do we want to be dwelling upon? The mind can move towards resentment. I am trying to have a peaceful death, but someone is snoring. The sound of the people moving, the motorbike, the noise of the motorbike outside. How dare the world disturb my peace? How dare the world continues without me? We hear our mind. I only have five to ten minutes to live, and I'm worrying about my neighbors snoring or the sound outside. Whatever it is, the mind takes hold of. Feel the tension of grasping. 
the present, the beautiful, the ugly, the solemn, the painful, even the sadness and craziness, whatever the the heart tries to grasp, let go. The time is running out. We all done this so many times before. We know this. What is that to hold on to? What is that to be afraid of? What can be kept? Who is it to own it? Letting it go. Identification with this body, this personality of me, I, mind, this life, what was it? The world around us will disappear, gone, leaving nothing behind, nothing. How much longer do we have now? Five minutes? Ten minutes. What do the mind move to? Dreaming, rationalizing, complaining, delighting, fighting, anticipating, or awakening. Whichever the directions the mind moves, worrying, criticizing, fearing, where does the mind go? We might think, this is weird, this is crazy, this is not happening to me. Surely, other people can die, but not me. Remember, this is your own death. 
not someone else. When the bells goes, we can take that as the last moment of our life. We have the time until the sound of the bell fades away completely to drop everything. You can continue to lie down or you can sit up. It's up to you. Now I would like to invite you to look back and reflect. Consider what did the mind dwell upon? What does it move towards? And how did the mind get pulled? Just have a look in your heart what happened just now. Practice just now allows us to see what is important. What is difficult and what is easy. Where the mind go? Where does it grasp? How was it when the grasping stopped? When we let go, how does it feel? This practice lets us see things that we just couldn't let go. Things that is just too dear to let go. No judgment, but just let yourself know the feeling of holding on to something. Feeling of can't let go, it's too dear, too precious. You do not need to do anything about it. 
but just feel it. And this is a feeling, there's a feeling of hope or fear again, not to try to get rid of it, not to try to fix it, or make it into an enemy. I should be able to let go. Just feel it, know it, and aware of it. Any feeling of regret, missed opportunity, things that's poorly done, not to fill up the regret with excuses or explanation or self-hatred. Just let the feeling of regret to be known by you, to accept it, and not, not try to fix anything. This very quality of knowing or awareness, mindfulness, and unentangled participation of our life, receiving them just as they are, just like you're sitting there watching the television of your mind. Then we know, ha, ah, this is how it feels like. Fear. This is how it feels like. Nostalgia. Hope. Regret. Delight. This is how it feels like. That's all. Just to watch with an open heart. Can now all sit up. Anyone need help to get up? This is just a small preparation, a small practice. So whether we move to, towards fears, the mind moves towards hyper-alertness because we know that this is the half an hour of our last, the end of our life. Our mind gets really uh, alert and sharp. Or we drift to sleep. It doesn't matter whatever it is. 
This is a teacher for us. There's no wrong or right way, no judgmental, no judgment of what happened. Whatever direction the mind moved to just now, if we let it, even though we fell asleep, that is in itself is a teaching to us. That we get closer to know about our heart and mind. Some of the things that we discover or aware of, we can do something about before the time of death. Something that you would like to go to, someone that you want to go to say thank you, or someone that you want to go to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. So by continuing our practice, by keeping the precepts, by keep looking into our mind. Sometimes we do not need to do anything. Like we talk about the fixation, the fixation on the anxiety of death. Sometimes we don't need to do anything. The more that we're aware of it, sometimes it can get in larger and larger. So whatever it is we need to do now, be aware now. Because when the time comes, we cannot do anything. Because when the times come, we do not want to be asleep. We want to be fully present with whatever happened. So I offer this for you to uh, reflect on, to continue to investigate. I think now um, you have two, ten, third, well, another 15 minutes to, to have, uh, you need to pack. Now you can go and pack. One day you've got to leave everything behind, you can't pack. I have uh, someone that who's so anxious about when they die, they don't want other people to find their place messy. <laughs> so if you belong to the category, make sure you uh, tidy up your place every day. So when you are lying down there just now, you will not think about, oh, my place is messy. Then you worry and uh, uh, increase your worry and anxiety. That's what we want to know, what is in our mind. That's important. You know, things like when, I say, when we say about uh, forgiveness, forgiveness to yourself and forgiveness to others, you have time to do it. Even write a note to someone, to yourself, that's another thing you can do. So i let you off now. I hope the guided meditation is uh, uh, helpful give you a little bit, a glimpse, or a little bit closer to know about your heart. Not just about death, but about your heart. As I say again and again, 
that you you know how you want you to live the life, whether it is one month, two months, or ten years. Hey, let's go. And I will see you at I see you at eleven o'clock. <laughs> Thank you, Venerable. <laughs> I'll see you at eleven for Dana. And then um, that's one thirty will be the last talk and the guided meta meditation.